Krishna, Adaiti Sena, Tisna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Amma Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare 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 Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama Hare Hare Jaya Prabhupada 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 Jaya Prabhupada Shri Prabhupada Kirai Harinam Sankatanya Bhikkhu Jai Anantakoti Vaisnava Vrinda Ki Jai all glories to the Assembly of Devotees. All glories to the Assembly of Devotees. All glories to Sri Guru and Sri Guru. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, 3rd Canto, Chapter 26, 
Fundamental Principles of Nature, Text 52. Etarandam Visesakyam Kramavride Dasutarai Toyadevi Paribritam Pradane Vritir Bahi Itadandam Visesakyam Kramavride Dasutarai Toyadevi Paribritam Pradane Navritir Bahi Itadandam Visesakyam Kramavride Dasutarai Toyadevi Paribritam Paradane Navritir Bahi Traloka vitano yam Rupam bhagavato hare Eta This Andam Egg Vishesha kyam Called Vishesha Krama One after another Vidai increased dasa ten times uttare 
greater. By water and so on. Paribritam enveloped. Pradhanena by Pradhana. Avrite covered. Bahi on the outside. Yatra where? Lokavitanaha the extension of the planetary systems. Ayam, this, rupam, form, Bhagavata, of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Hare, of Lloyd Hari. Translation. The universal egg, or the universe in the shape of an egg, is called the manifestation of the material energy. Its layers of water, air, fire, sky, ego, and mahatattva increases in thickness one after another. Each layer is ten times bigger than the previous one, and the final outside layer is covered by pradana. Within this egg <coughs> is the universal form of Lord Hari, of whose body the 14 planetary systems are parts. Purport. This universe, or the universal sky, which we can visualize with its innumerable planets, is shaped just like an egg. As an egg is covered by a shell, the universe is also covered by various layers. The first layer is water, the next is fire, then air, then sky, and the ultimate holding crust is predominant. Within this egg-like universe is the universal form of the Lord as the Virat Purusha. All the different planetary situations are part of his body. This is already explained in the beginning of Srimad Bhagavatam, second canto. The planetary systems are considered to form different bodily parts of that universal form of the Lord. Persons who cannot directly engage in the service of the transcendental form of the Lord are advised to think of and worship this universal form. The lowest planetary system, Patala, is considered to be the soul of the Supreme Lord, and the earth is considered to be the belly of the Lord. Brahmaloka, or the highest planetary system where Brahma lives, is considered to be the head of the Lord. The Virat Purusha is considered an incarnation of the Lord. The original form of the Lord is Krishna and is confirmed as confirmed in Brahma Samhita, Adi Purush. The Virat Purusha is also Purush. But he is not Adi Purush. The Adi Purush is Krishna. Ishvara Parama Krishna Satsidananda Vigraha Anadir Adir Govinda. In Bhagavad Gita, Krishna is also accepted as the Adi Purush, the original. Krishna says, No one is greater than I. There are innumerable expansions of the Lord, and all of them are Purushas or enjoyers, but neither the Virat Purush nor the Purusha avatars. Karandaksai Vishnu, Garbadaksai Vishnu, Nxiradaksai Vishnu, nor any of the other many of many of the many other expansions is the original. In each universe there are Garbadaksai Vishnu, the Virat Purush, and Xiradaksai Vishnu. The active manifestation of the Virat Purush is described here. 
Persons who are in the lower grade of understanding regarding the Supreme Personality of God may think of the universal form of the Lord, for that is advised in the Bhagavatam. The dimensions of the universe are estimated here. The outer covering is made of layers of water, air, fire, sky, ego, and mahatattva, and each layer is ten times greater than the one previous. The space within the hollow of the universe can be measured by any human scientist or anyone else. And beyond the hollow there are seven coverings, each one ten times greater than the one preceding it. The layer of water is ten times greater than the diameter of the universe, and the layer of fire is ten times greater than that of water. Similarly, the layer of air is ten times greater than that of fire. These dimensions are all inconceivable to the tiny brain of a human being. It is also stated that this description is of only one egg-like universe. There are innumerable universes besides this one, and some of them are many, many times greater. It is considered, in fact, that this universe is the smallest. Therefore, the predominating superintendent, or Brahma, has only four heads for management. In other universes, which are far greater than this one, Brahma has more heads. In the Chaitanya Charitamrita, it is stated that all these Brahmas were called one day by Lord Krishna on the inquiry of the small Brahma, who, after seeing all the larger Brahmas, was thunderstruck. That is the inconceivable potency of the Lord. No one can measure the length and breadth of God by speculation or by false identification with God. These attempts are symptoms of lunacy. Om Ajnati Manandasya Jnanandana Salakya Shakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Sigurile Nama Shri Chaitana Manavistam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupakadamayam Dadati Swapadantikam Vandeham Siguro Sita Padakamalam Sigurun Vaisnavamscha Sirupam Sagrajatam Saganaraganatam Vitam Tam Sadivam Sadvaitam Savadutam Parijana Saitam Krishna Chitanya Devam Sri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Lalita Sivisakam Vitam Scha He Krishna Karuna Sindhu Dinabandu Jagatpate Gopesa Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostate Tapta Kanchana Gaurangi Radhe Vindavaneshwari Visabhanu Sutta Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Vanchakalpaturubhyacha Kripasindubhyevacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaisnavibhyo namo namaha Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadada Sri Vasudhi Gaura Bhaktavinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare So 
in this chapter, we find a description of fundamental principles of material nature. <clears throat> and we find a description of the universe amongst many other universes. How the universe is, uh, is egg-shaped and that the shell is very thick compared to the hollow which is the actual space within the universe. It's not a thin shell. Rather, the shell itself is thicker than the, uh, than the hollow or the space within the shell. So that is interesting. Then we find a description of the different layers that are su surround or that making up that shell. And layers of earth, water, fire, air, ether, each one thicker than the other. Um, and finally, we see a layer of, of pradana. Um, somehow or other, uh, pradana is also here defined in terms of space. Although pradana cannot be defined in terms of space, because the three modes of material nature are absent in an equilibrium in pradana, and therefore they are uh, not active and thus not manifest. So, therefore, uh, such such uh, qualities, um, such as form, are absent when the three modes of material nature are absent. Then. Um, it is not possible for any form to be there. So what is going on? It said there is, there is the Supreme Personality of Godhead in his expanded form as Mahavishnu resting on the causal ocean. Um, Lord Mahavishnu is at the end of the night of Brahma when the day of Brahma is about to begin and when the material energy is meant to come into being, it is then that Lord Mahavishnu is glancing upon Pradhana. His glance, it is said that Shambhu, uh, Sadashiva, becomes that glance. It says that Sadashiva then is touching Pradhana, activating Pradhana. The three modes of material nature become active and through that glance, Lord Sada Shiva, who is Vishnu Tattva, is impregnating the Pradhana, the potential of the entire material manifestation with living beings. Then Mahatattva is manifesting. So we see how these universes are then <clears throat> manifesting within the Mahatattva and clustering together and are floating on the causal ocean. So it is described. And we understand that there where the universes are touching the causal ocean, there there is pradana, the potential. So this is a complex, a complex description um, of the universe which is is difficult to understand um, not 
because we are not capable of, uh, of such kind of thinking, but because we puzzle it together from the Vedic literatures. Because the Vedic literatures are not necessarily a scientific treatise. Right? It's not like, uh, although the Bhagavatam is dealing with cosmology, Bhagavatam is not a book about cosmology per se. Bhagavatam is giving us an understanding of cosmology to understand, to, to explain that everything finds its origin in the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Um, Iswarama, Iswaraha, Parama, Krishna, Satsidananda, Vigraha, Anadir, Adir, Govinda, Sarvakarana, Karanam, as Srila Prabhupada quotes in the purports. Huh? And, but not only that, that also at every stage of the manifestation of the universe, the Supreme Lord has something to do with it. Just as the material energy uh, comes into being, different elements are manifesting. Like we find descriptions in the Bhagavatam as the Supreme Personality of Godhead uh, was manifesting in his universal form the, uh, the eyes, the sun and the moon as his eyes. That's when the sensual perception of sight became available within the universe. And thus there was facility for the living beings to see. So this is a technical description. But the essence of it is that we understand that at, this, at every point we are dependent on the Supreme Lord. And at every point, every, there is an arrangement of the Supreme Lord by which we are able to see, by which we are able to hear, by which we are able to smell. All our physical functions are intimately connected with the Supreme Lord all along. Sometimes there is a concept <coughs> presented by theologians that God is far removed from the creation. He is far removed from the creation. He is not very much involved with it. But that is not what we understand from Srimad Bhagavatam. From Srimad Bhagavatam we understand that the Supreme Lord is intimately involved with the living being at every phase of the manifestation of the material energy, which is where we are being housed at the moment. Yantra Rudani Maya. We are within these yantras. We are within these material bodies, which are yantras, machines. And these machines are, are composed by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And <clears throat> uh, although um, the evolution theory is consistently um, being, being proposed uh, and being defended by, uh, by modern scientists. There are equally scientists who are uh, not supporting the concept of evolution and who are thinking that there must be intelligent design Ultimately, it cannot be uh, our Sadaputta, uh, who was uh, who 
departed from this world at an early age of only 48 um, in some accident was, uh, was a brilliant personality who, a scientist who came to Srila Prabhupada and who did a lot of work in, uh, in outlining uh, the understanding of the Bhagavatam in scientific terms and also in questioning Darwinism or the concept of evolution and Sadaputta pointed out that Darwin initially had a very simple uh, idea of what a cell was made of uh, basically it, in his understanding the body of a cell was made of protoplasm so protoplasm in his understanding was some sort of jelly-like substance and then within that cell there was a nucleus that was the um, the essence of that particular cell which defined its nature and in this way different cells would have a different nucleus so then his concept was that this was the fundamental uh, building block within the evolution and from such very simple structures gradually more complex structures evolved and thus the principle in evolution that he outlined was that from simple forms of existence we go to more complex forms of existence modern science has, uh, has pointed out that Darwin's model is completely outdated and that cells are very complex that the the cell of the body is is uh, is filled with many many arrangements that are as complex as or more complex than the city of Melbourne uh, where you have uh, electric supplies throughout the city where you have uh, water supplies where you have sewage arrangements where you have optic fiber for your internet and all these things are just part of the arrangements of the city and there's much more roads you name it and in the same way it is said that any cell also has very very complex arrangements for distributing energy for uh, it is not at all a simple structure it is a highly complex structure so the principle of evolution which Darwin proposed that from simple uh, structure we go to complex structure that very principle now no longer stands and the question is then how is it possible that such complex structures came about by chance that somehow or other uh, that happened uh, and then it is said yes the dna it looped and it created life from matter life was created okay very nice how uh, it, it, it looped it did it how that you know we don't know how uh, and can you demonstrate it uh, in the future we will be and Prabhupada said post dated check right I'll pay you with a post dated check you will accept right post dated 
2022. You t I'll give you, I'll give you 10 lakhs right now. Take it, uh, take it. Give me your car. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Any, only a fool will do so. A uh, post-dated check because it's not guaranteed. Uh, so like this. Uh, there may be no money at the time that the date comes in that bank account. Your check will bounce. Uh, such is business. What to do? So, so far, um, we are in, when it, speaking of evolution, we deal with the theory because it has not been proven. Uh, it has not been proven by experiment. Prabhupada pointed out we have to be able to demonstrate. Uh, theory is not enough. Science has to demonstrate. If you can make life in the laboratory, make it. Then you make it. Prabhupada said, make an egg right? that can produce a chicken. Make it. Make it. So far, they didn't make that. They take cells from living beings, put them in an artificial environment and claim we have made life. No, you have stolen life right? from the bodies of living beings and somehow or other you have then been able to keep that life in a, in a laboratory, in an artificial condition. Very good but you have not created life. So we cannot be intimidated by any such science. And that was Prabhupada. Prabhupada was just so brilliant. He was brilliant in making very complex things very simple by asking questions that were very interesting. Like for example, one question that Prabhupada asked, in evolution, we're speaking how, uh, how eventually from monkeys, men evolved. Uh, and Prabhupada asked a simple question. He said, all right, so you're saying that from monkeys, men evolved. He said, well, now, at this moment, we have monkeys, we have men, right? Can you show some monkeys that are evolving into men? Uh, is it happening anywhere? Please, please show me any, any case, right? any monkeys just transforming right now. It's not happening. It happened in the past. Why is it not happening in the present? There are still monkeys now. Uh, there are men, but no monkeys are turning into men today. Rather, with Darwin's theory, with, uh, which has eliminated religious concept, all we see is that men are turning into monkeys. Uh, so that's all. That's all we have gained. Um, anyway, enough about science. I'm not a scientist. And, uh, but many things have been written and said, and I think that especially the work of Sadaputta Prabhu, which can be found on YouTube, uh, is worth looking at. I think our devotees should look at it. As a, he has a channel, the Sadaputta channel on YouTube, and it's like you can check it out and listen or watch some of these videos, um, which are very informative. Um, leaving the technical side now, stepping out of that, 
into the more devotional side, which is really my interest. Huh? Because, you know, when we are getting into science and we discuss whether we went to the moon and what substance the moon is made from, and whether the moon would be made of green cheese or whether the moon would be made of, you know, of, of dust and rocks like the Arizona desert, I couldn't care less. I hope it's cheese. <laughs> that would be... That would be the best, you know? and we could offer it to the Supreme Lord, but it may not be, right? Anyway, whatever it is, uh, it doesn't interest me so much, uh, because Abrahma Bhuvala Loka Punaravitina Arjuna, all these from the highest planet within the universe to the lowest, these are places of misery where repeated birth and death takes place. So I have no interest. I don't want to travel there. Uh, I don't want to go to Mars, not really. Uh, nor to Venus, definitely not there. And not even to Jupiter. I'm not interested in all these places that I want to go to the spiritual world. Uh, simply there. It is that what is really our interest. Uh, we, so the universe, in studying the universe, all right, we study the mechanism of the universe, we do. But then we move on. We move on to understanding that the whole cosmic manifestation in this material world is a reflection of the spiritual energy and of the spiritual world. The domain of Maya. Why is Maya so powerful? Why is it that Maya can even make a devotee fall down? Although it is said there are three energies. The Antaranga Shakti, the Tatasta Shakti and the Bahiranga Shakti. The Antaranga Shakti is the highest. It is the spiritual energy of the Lord. The Tatasta Shakti is the intermediate energy of the Lord. And it is second highest. And then the lowest energy is the external energy, the Bahirangi Shakti, the material energy, matter. So the living being is classified as higher than matter. Then how is it that the living being can become controlled by matter if it is of a lower nature? Hmm. Prabhupada explains that the soul has the energy of, of hundreds and millions of suns. The soul has much more energy than the sun. But then how is it that now we are conditioned by the material energy if the soul is so powerful? That question can be asked. Oh, it is. Because the material energy is the reflection of the spiritual energy. And the spiritual energy is unlimited and full of unlimited variety and full of unlimited potency. And the spiritual energy has the unlimited potential to capture the consciousness of the living being. And therefore, Maya, who is the reflection of it, doesn't have the same power as the spiritual energy. And therefore, Maya will always defeat it, uh, will always be defeated when we turn to Krishna. But yet Maya, because it is the reflection of the unlimited spiritual energy, therefore Maya has very expansive power in so many ways 
to attract the mind of the infinitesimal living beings, the very small living beings. Thus, Maya, we cannot defeat Maya on our own. Huh? But Krishna Surya saw Maya Haya Andhika, Yahoite Krishna Tahanai Maya Adhikar. That wherever there is Krishna, the influence of Maya cannot be present. So this is very important because Maya is everywhere. And it is Maya that comes in two forms. One is the form of temptation, Praksabhatmika Shakti, and the other one, the form of conditioning, Avaranatma Shakti. Uh, we become tempted by the material energy because it, it's almost as good as the spiritual energy. Almost. Uh, almost. It gives us hope. Yes, I will do it. I will. I will be happy. Yes. Or worse, when we become covered by the material energy and conditioned, I am happy. I am very happy. Oh, very, I'm, I'm too much happy. Ah, yes, too much. Uh, yes, happy. And, and so, uh, so the example is given of the man in the hospital with the broken leg. How are you? Great, great. It's an Aussie, right? How you going? Great. <laughs> yeah, you look really great, you know? All right? All messed up. Right, great, you know. Does it hurt? Nah, no worries. She be right, yeah. Okay, good on you, mate. Good on you, right? But your bones are crushed, you know. Well, that ain't no fun. You got pins in your bones, right? Good luck. They've been drilling holes and putting screws in there, you know. Rather your bones than my bones, you know. Gosh, that doesn't sound too good. Uh, so. What can we say? The material world is not a place for a gentleman. Uh, Prabhupada calls this fool's paradise. Fool's paradise. A fool will think here, I will enjoy here, I will make my kingdom. Uh, good luck. You know, you make your kingdom in hell. <laughs> yes. I'm going to... I'm, we have just recently bought a, bought a plot of land. Oh, yes. And we're building a house. And it, guess what? It's a whopper of a house, you know. I mean, a monster of a house because it's an Indian house. And, you know, Indian houses have to be very big. That's our tradition for different reasons. One, it has to be bigger than the house of the neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> That's very important, you know. Another thing is, you know, you came to Australia to be a success and everyone in India who is back home is expecting that you are one and you have to show now that you are by the size of your house. So you have to have a monster of a house so you can show everyone back home how, how wonderful you did in, in the new world in Australia. Great success. That's another thing. And, of course, you have to have a big house because your auntie, your uncle, your cousin, and the, co you know, and the cousin of your cousin uh, may all come to you and visit you. And in this way, you have to put them somewhere. Right? And if you live in a flat, it is a problem when they come. In this way. 
Um, so we built ourselves a palace in the material world and immediately it goes to our head and we start to think I'm a king, I'm a ruler, I'm a very powerful, successful personality. I have so many assets, oh yes, and therefore I'm happy. I am happy. Of course, you know, your face doesn't exactly show that happiness. Huh? I'm sorry to say. So, no, no, what you're saying, I'm very happy. Yeah, but there is happy. Are you happy? Um, yeah. Are you happy? I guess. Are you happy? Yeah, okay. Uh, that's there, or there is real happiness. Uh, when Srila Prabhupada was in Germany, they were taking pictures. And as they were taking pictures, they used a camera with a flash. Uh, in those days, cameras were not digital. They had a film inside and a flash. And they were flashing. And Prabhupada just, the flash was creating so many balls in front of his eyes, light balls, that Prabhupada at one point said, no more balls. Right? That meant no more flash. Well, the photographer, he was a pro and he wasn't easily defeated. All right. We can take pictures even without a flash, even in the old days. But for that, you needed to put a very sensitive, slow film, which slowly was capturing the light. Such films could do it, but there was one problem with them. And that was like, the slightest movement would spoil the picture. Okay, so get a tripod, put your camera on there, and then don't even touch it. Don't even touch the shutter. Have a cord extension sh and press the cord so that the camera will not move. And he was taking pictures of Prabhupada very nicely. Anyway, even in those days, folks, believe it or not, the camera, there were no computers yet in the world. And there, can you believe it? A world without computers, yes. Children, once upon a time, there was a world without computers, without iPads, without phones. Oh no, oh yes. And then the cameras they had, they were so primitive that they wouldn't automatically adjust to the light. No, you had to manually set them to the light. And therefore the photographer expert had a light meter. And he was measuring with the light meter. And suddenly, the light meter went on maximum. Bright light. He looks, did anyone turn on a light? No. Nobody turned on a light. Uh, it was Prabhupada. He was beaming. Beaming. Light was just emanating from him. And it was measured on a German light meter. Now, that's hardcore science. Uh, so... That's scientific evidence, German light meter, you know. I mean, if it was from anywhere else, could have had some fault, but not a German one, no. <clears throat> so, in this way, uh, that's what, what happiness is all about. Uh, happiness means overwhelming happiness. Happiness doesn't mean, yeah, I'm happy. I guess I'm really happy. Yeah, I'm very happy. Yeah, that's not happy. That's trying to tell yourself, I'm happy, but the truth is. Uh, and why so? Because we've invested so much. Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur speaks about a man who goes up the foothills of the Himalayas and he is going on foot. 
So it is intense. It's a walk and a half going up these mountains. So he's thinking, oh, too much walking, too much walking, too much walking. If only I would have a horse. A horse. And just there, lo and behold, yes, there was a horse. Divine arrangement, Krishna's mercy. Here is a horse. Hey, horsey, horsey. So, okay, he bought the horse and it cost an arm and a leg, you know. But anyway, he got it. It came after all by divine arrangement. And then, um, as he jumped on the horse and was ready to, to, to go, the horse wouldn't move. It wouldn't move. So he looked for a start button. There was no button, nothing. Any, is it on the handbrake? He couldn't find anything. He tried different tricks, you know. Pull the tail, right? Hit it between the ears, nothing. That horse wouldn't move. So I think, gosh, what to do? I bought a lemon, you know. Huh? It's like, you know, you buy a car and the thing, you find out it's a rotten car. Oh, no. I spent so much money on this horse and now it doesn't move. Then, next moment, from that horse fell a little horse. It was, a, it was expecting, he said, hey, my lucky day, two for the price of one. Yes, whoa. He had two horses for the price of one and everything was going fine. And then he thought, okay, let's go. But the little horse was too small to walk. And the mother wouldn't move. He said, like, well, I can't wait for that, that, that little horse to grow up. You know, what to do now? So he finally decided to carry the small horse. So he put the small horse on his shoulders, and he's walking up the mountain, and the big horse was walking nicely behind. So one man saw him. He said, what on earth are you doing? Carrying that little foal on your shoulders up up a mountain. I mean, what are you doing? He said, and then he told the whole story, you know, bought the horse, spent a lot of money, this, that, then horse didn't move, but then, lucky day, a, a, a second horse, a foal fell from the horse, two for the price of one, yes. He said, but now, yeah, now it, I have to wait for it to grow up, so I'm carrying this horse up the mountain. And then the other man said, why don't you just leave those horses behind? You're better off without them. He says, oh no, oh no, I can't do that. I've invested a lot of money in these horses. Oh no, I can't leave it. I've built up my whole material life. I've invested so much money into it. I'm not satisfied. Of course, it's a struggle. I'm struggling like anything, but I've invested so much. Oh no. But why don't you just leave it? All these things just give you pain. No, 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 I can't do that. I worked very hard for these things. This is the covering potency, the conditioning potency of Maya. And thus we stay in our suffering. And then we say, well, you know, if you never suffer, how can you actually be happy? Yeah. It's because you suffer after you appreciate so much more. It's like going to holiday, on holidays, you know. In Europe, we go to Spain for holidays. Everybody goes to Spain. 
sun shines. And you go and you look at the brochure. And they show you a beautiful place, right on the sea, of course, right there. You know, you just step out of the place and you're in the sea, practically speaking. So it's like, great, book your holiday in this place. Next moment, when you get there, they tell you that actually the, the, uh, the original hotel is full. But we take you to, the, the, to our other hotel, which is like our extension hotel. So extension hotel, what's going on? It's like, blah, blah, blah. and they put you on a bus and they drive you to the extension hotel, which is not on the sea, which is 300 meters walking over a, over a hot road to the sea, right? which is not very good. And you're in there and it is just terrible. The taps are leaking and it is smelly and you know, it's hot and the air conditioner, it's running but it doesn't make it cool and so on and everything is just, and you're just there. You complain but, and they come to fix it but it never gets fixed and you're there and you're in this, in, and this is your holiday you're on holidays you know, and you're booked for 10 days and you think, on the first day you think, I want to go home. And the second day comes and on the second day you really want to go home. And on the third day you're almost going home. But somehow or other, because you paid for it and you paid top dollar, because you paid for it, you make it through the whole 10 days. And then, then when you come back home, oh... It's like suddenly you love home. Before you left, you know, you couldn't wait to get out of the place. But now you come back and you're so happy. You're so, you suffered so much on your holiday that you're so happy to be back home. Right? Like this. Therefore, we think you need to suffer. You need to suffer so that you can enjoy again. You see? It gives you again fresh enjoyment. This is part of conditioned thinking. This is how we think in the conditioned state. I am happy. I need to suffer to be happy. That's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous proposition. Real happiness means one is happy and one becomes more happy day by day. That is happiness. And that is spiritual happiness. And that is the nature of the spiritual world, ever-increasing happiness. And how does it work? Because it is described in Adi Lila, Chaitanya Charitamrita, chapter 4, how Srimata Radharani says that there is a competition between my love and between the qualities of Krishna. She said that Krishna's qualities are unlimited. And each time... When I discover a new quality of Krishna, then my love embraces that quality also. And in that way, my love for Krishna is eternally increasing. Ah. And it's not only that Srimati Radharani is experiencing it in that way. We also. Uh, in the beginning, oh yes, Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Oh, that's nice. And then we hear... Oh, yes, he, he has yellow, uh, yellow dhoti. He is tribanga. He has a tree-bent form. Very beautiful. Stands very elegant like that. Legs crossed. Oh, yes, very nice. 
Uh, he has, then we can go into more detail. He has shark-shaped earrings which are moving to and fro, right? We learned in Kartik. Uh, he has mother-of-pearl nails, mother-of-pearl. Whoa, who has those? Not me. <laughs> huh? So in this way, uh, we can... We find out more and more about Krishna, and the more we find out about Krishna's qualities, the more exciting Krishna becomes. In, uh, it's not, what is the meaning of the name Krishna? Okay, wait, 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 huh? till I call upon you. Don't speak out of turn. What is the meaning of the name Krishna? Uh. Okay. What is the meaning of the name Krishna? All attractive. All attractive. There you go. The meaning is all attractive. Yes. So that's very nice that you can say that. That is a good beginning. But now the next step is we have to find out how he's all attractive. Huh? By finding out the attractive qualities of Krishna and then we automatically become attracted. And then somehow or other we develop love, love of God in the process, because we actually begin to say, wow, Krishna is really wonderful. Krishna is actually amazing. Krishna is actually very interesting. And when Krishna becomes interesting, then we think of Krishna all day. But if we think that uh, a new car is interesting, and a, a new house is interesting, and a phone, new phone is interesting, a new wife is interesting, and so many things are interesting, yes, then of course, you know, we will say, oh, I have to chant 16 rounds. It is so difficult, so difficult to fix the mind. Because we're thinking of all these other things. But when we think of Krishna, more of Krishna, because we are attracted to Krishna, then chanting becomes so natural and so easy. Then we want to chant. Uh, like this, our love for Krishna will develop. So, okay. Uh, so as we're discussing fundamental principles of material nature, uh, and we go into the technical aspect of it, Ultimately, we take it a step further and say the f most fundamental principle of material nature is that it is an arrangement of Krishna to bring us back to loving him. That is the idea. For those of us who have forgotten him, there's an inbuilt mechanism in the material energy to bring us back to Krishna. And in its lowest feature, that inbuilt mechanism is called suffering. Right? And in its higher feature, it is called becoming attracted to Krishna. So this, so the material world <clears throat> outside of the temple is particularly meant for that suffering. And we come to the point where we suffer and suffer and suffer and say, why am I doing this? Why am I carrying this horse? For what? For what? You know, it's no fun actually. Yeah, I worked hard for this horse anyway, too bad, but it's not worth it. Forget it. Get rid of the horse. Right? Why, why carry it? Why carry all these things? No, I will leave them now. And now 
I'll go to the temple. And the temple is for becoming attracted to Krishna. It is an arrangement for developing that attraction to Krishna. And from that attraction to Krishna, love of God will automatically develop. That's why we don't need to worry. Just stay in the temple. That's a good beginning. Because here you can't escape. Even if you try. Right? Krishna, 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 Krishna. All the time, Krishna, 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 Krishna. Wherever you go, every corner, someone is... Even if you find a quiet corner, someone's sitting in there chanting, trying to finish the rounds. Right? Uh, therefore, that's the solution. The temple is for becoming attracted to Krishna. And the material world is for suffering. Thank you very much. Any questions, any comments? Gopal is quick. When you said the soul and the sun, the soul is um, more brighter than the sun. Um, by the scientific way, they say the bigger it gets, the brighter it gets, but the soul is so tiny and it's, so, uh, it's way brighter than the sun. So okay. Why? Yum. In, in, in science, by, by a logical argument, one would say, the bigger it gets, the brighter it gets. And just like a spark in the sun. The sun is brighter than the spark because the sun is, is really a big spark, right? From a scientific point of view. Yes, that is there. Yes, that is true. It is. <clears throat> and then why is the soul uh, brighter? Because... Krishna, Krishna is the brightest of all, right? It's not about his size. It is about, because he's the unlimited source of energy, Krishna. So Krishna is the sun, he is the, the, the source of all uh, brightness. He's the source of the brightness of the sun, and he's the source of the brightness of the soul. And because the soul is... Is, is closer to Krishna than the sun. The sun is Krishna's external energy, the material energy. But the soul is Krishna's living energy, his personal devotee. And therefore, that soul has the opportunity to serve Krishna. And because of that service to Krishna, the soul becomes more bright every moment. Because the effulgence of the love is, is more bright than the sun. So that is how it's understood. Of course, a scientist will never understand that. Because the scientist, first of all, cannot believe in the soul. Second of all, he doesn't believe in Krishna. Third of all, he doesn't understand what devotional service is and all these things. So in school, where they don't know these things, you may find it difficult to explain that to your teacher. Because the teacher is influenced by modern science and he doesn't have, have no information about the soul, about Krishna and about devotional service. Uh, what to do? The teacher is, is full of this material knowledge, but he doesn't have real knowledge. Therefore, he's not a real teacher. He can only teach material things. So in that way, you can teach the teacher. 
Yes. So you can teach your teacher something from Srimad Bhagavatam, some transcendental knowledge. So the soul, because it's closer to Krishna and because of serving Krishna, the soul gets more and more effulgent all the time. It's Krishna's energy. Krishna's unlimited. So where's the question of size? He can supply unlimited brightness to a tiny little soul. Next question. Prabhu, Prabhu, comment is suitable. I was wondering, uh, it seems like in any system of knowledge that we observe in life, in a little bit of every system of knowledge, any system of knowledge, there's, a, there's an element of faith and belief. An element of faith and belief. So even if in modern science, faith and belief, faith and belief. Oh, sorry. Faith. What I can see in modern science, there's a great degree of faith and belief also required. Uh -huh. You could argue, well, whose who's emphasis is greater on faith and belief? Are the, the theologists yeah. or the material scientists? Because they cannot demonstrate everything. Yes. They say, we believe or we think. Mm -hmm. Perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps it's the academic world. <laughs> one, of the, one of their chief arguments against us is that it's simply faith and belief. But Mm -hmm. Look at science, there's so much faith in the way. Right, right. Yeah, I, I saw a newspaper article which illustrates your point, and it was about how uh, one scientist, by uh, telescopic uh, perceptions, had, uh, had witnessed something amazing. He had witnessed how cosmic dust was clustering. And he said, and I felt a moment of reverence in my heart because I realized that I was witnessing here how galaxies come into being. Now, galaxies, right? That's like star systems. He sees particles of dust clustering. Right? And he concludes that he sees how galaxies are being created. Every housewife can see all kinds of dust clustering, right? Just look under the bed of your kids, right? And you'll see so much dust under there, big balls clustering together. But that's not galaxies. So he just jumped, you know. What a jump he made, like, you know. I mean, that was what you call jumping, right? So that's an example. Um, yes. A lot of work was done, for those who are more interested in these things, by uh, His Holiness Bhakti Sarup Damodar Swami, uh, who, has, who was the founder of the Bhaktivedanta Institute. And he organized a number of conferences with scientists and devotees uh, based on the synthesis of science and religion. And in one of them, he is... Uh, there is one professor from uh, MIT in uh, the Massachusetts Institutes for Technology, even more famous than IIT, uh, which, uh, you know. And uh, he, a professor named Weizenbaum, and the professor was speaking on the conference. And he's saying, yes, 
Science is a religion. It has its faith, it has its canons, you know, its books of religion. It, it has so many assumptions, right? He said, but for long, science was lacking a deity. He said, we were lacking a deity. Some sort of superhuman manifestation. He said, but now, now science has progressed. And now we have computers that exceed the capacity of any human being. And in this way, we have now a complete theology. We have, we have our, our faiths, we have our canons, and finally, we have our deity in artificial intelligence as well. And as this, in this way, he explained how science contains all the elements of religion. There's an interesting article, you can check it out, from Joseph Weizenbaum. Synthesis of Science and Religion. Um, so yes, your point is well taken. It, um, yes, it's another type of faith. Everything ultimately has an element of faith in it. We can't escape it. Because we don't know, basically. We are in a state of ignorance. Right? Achit. When we become conditioned, we are in a state of ignorance. And we go from ignorance to knowledge. And we're trying to expand our knowledge. But we never come to the limit of knowledge. We never know everything about anything. We know something. You know? And, then, and that's why science always gets thrown over. Uh, the, the latest theory, uh, after a little while... Uh, a new theory comes and, and dismisses the previous theory and it's an unending game because you know we are only on a journey of discovery. We don't know everything. Right? And so and therefore the unknown always remains greater than the known. And therefore fundamentally uh, it is not possible to a material process to figure out actually reality. It is not possible. Only when that reality is revealed by the Supreme Lord can we know. But when it is being revealed, even then how much can we know? Uh, even then, we cannot know everything. Right? Even then, because we are limited living beings. Even in our eternal state, in the liberated state, we can still not know everything about Krishna. We can know about Krishna what he reveals of himself, of his personality, of his energies, of his expansions, all these things. We can only know what he reveals to us. We can never have complete, unlimited knowledge. Even Krishna doesn't know the limit of his own qualities. What to speak? Us, who are tiny, little, Jivas. So science is basically doomed. It's fundamentally doomed. It's a wrong approach. It can never capture the truth. It can capture applications. You can manipulate, you can create a camera, you can, you know, make a, a tablet. 
you know that you can do you can make computer games oh yes you can do and you can just like suck people's brains into that little thing and limit their brains where they sit all day and become pale and weak and like their muscles become soft and flappy because they never go out of the house in the all day long playing with electronics that you can do with science but you cannot give us the life-giving force of nature because uh, when you go out in the fresh air and have some air in your lungs and you know and just feel like ah this is good the goodness of nature because that comes from krishna that science can never do they can make plastic uh, they can make horrible energy drinks but they cannot make water uh, simple water that they cannot Okay, I let you go. I've kept you a long time. You must be getting tired. Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai.